They fled from Rome on a rain-swept August night, first in the black Citroën, speeding north into the darkness, then two trains, the small fishing boat, the final climb up a steep path through thick, swirling mist, moving from shadow to shadow for two days, until they stood before the high, locked iron gates of the sixth-century Benedictine convent. Couvent de la Brume, the convent of the fog. The nuns welcomed them in silence. She had chosen their hiding place well. The tiny Breton Isle lay seven kilometers off the French coast, lost in the immense blackness of the ocean, isolated by dangerous reefs and haunted by rolling, dense gray fogs. The island was a world apart, a final sentinel before the vastness of the misted sea. The woman thought they would be safe, finally, here at the very edge of the world. For five days they hid in the convent, sheltered by thick stone walls and the island's fog. Each morning the woman stood at the arched window, keeping watch. Outside, beyond the small cloister, the island appeared and then was gone as mists swirled, like veils across the hills. She watched the nuns plant vegetables in the garden, scrub whitewashed walls, kneel by the stone cross in the cloister to pray. Each night the woman sat vigilant in the watery darkness, listening to the soaring Gregorian chants, the muffled thunder of waves against jagged rocks, and the small breaths from the cot under the eaves. Generations of seafarers had called the place L'Ile de la Brume, Fog Island. She thought it was the last place on earth a man would look for his missing wife. On the first day of September, the soft cocoon of fog began to shimmer with light. The woman watched with growing dread as, one by one, the cottages and pines and bright boats beyond the convent walls emerged from the haze. Too soon the sky turned clear as glass, and she hurried to gather their belongings, while the sun spun like a golden coin toward the sea. When all was ready, she waited at the window, willing the sun to set. The light shimmered on the black pearls around her neck and caught her marble-pale face, once beautiful but now etched by fear and despair. Hurry, she pleaded with the glowing sky, we need the protection of the night. But still the bright day lingered, fighting the dark. Bells called the nuns to evening prayer and she watched them cross the ancient cloister, their white wimples shining like birds' wings in the changing light. A trawler's horn sounded a warning. Startled, she looked toward the harbor, saw the man leap easily from the deck of a fishing boat just as the setting sun flashed on the mirrors of his glasses. Terror, sudden and sharp, exploded in her chest. She slammed the shutters closed, reached for her cloak and backpack. Then she woke her companion, settling a small knapsack over his thin shoulders. They clattered down the narrow stairs as the sky became a great sea of light, awash with the fiery crimson and burnished brass of one last summer's sunset. Against this glimmering curtain, 
The two figures running across the deserted beach showed black and distinct. They were perfect silhouettes. Perfect targets. The island cliffs rose like dark ships before them, just below the rocks on a small crescent of sand, a tangle of wind-battered sea pines promised shelter. On they ran. One hundred meters, fifty, twenty, they disappeared into the shadows. Only then, deep within the pines, did the woman slow their pace. She raised her eyes to search the cliffs. There, on the rock face some twenty meters above them, a lamp flashed orange in the splintered half-light. The stone chapel clung to the cliff like a wild bird's nest wedged into the rock. 